Hello and welcome to the 4 Comic Junkies Podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges, and we are a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by the Dadgum Original, Batman on Film. Oh man, it is fall, it is spooky season, it is October... It is scary in my house right now. I have the lights off. I'm about to watch a scary movie. Um, <laughs> I live alone. I don't know why I'm doing this. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, 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 it is the season, right? It is the season to be scared as fuck. <laughs> anyway, um, as always, if you were looking for this show... You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at 4ComicJunkies. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please write a review, uh, subscribe, uh, rate, say, say nice things, please, because I'm very sensitive. Um, kidding, kind of. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but seriously, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to today's episode. Um, this is, uh, one I've been trying to do for a little bit, uh, with my, my friend Eric, uh, who you will know from Straight Outta Gotham and Batman on Film. Um, we're, you know, Eric's a big horror movie guy and, you know, we, uh, it's, it's, it's spooky season, right? So we were like, oh, we gotta do something spooky. And, um, it's 45 years of The Omen. Oh, that's cool. Okay, okay, the omen. Uh, one of the original uh, modern horror movies. I- I'd like to think it's uh, one that uh, modern horror movies uh, get their um, get their inspiration from. I mean, they they have to. It's it's classic for a reason. Um, Eric comes on. We you know we talk about it. Uh, there are some technical difficulties. I won't lie. Uh, because I'm lazy and don't feel like editing some of this stuff because it's not that bad. Um, but, yeah, and that makes it all the more real, right? Ooh, and spooky. Ooh, was it ghostly stuff that interfered? No, it was poor internet connection. Uh, but seriously, <laughs> Eric and I have a blast talking about uh, talking about The Omen and growing up Catholic and how these types of movies impact us just a little bit more than if we were just, you know... I, I don't know. Um, if you were just non-Catholics, I guess would be the best way to put it. Um, but yeah, we, we have a lot of fun talking about this movie and uh, the remake and you know other films like it, like The Exorcist and the recent uh, Midnight Mass, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, yeah, folks, you know, this, this is a good one. You know, we're, this whole month of October is, uh, is going to be spooky season. So I hope that you all enjoy it. Um, I personally, you know, I'm a big horror movie fan. I think that, um, you know, the, a really great horror movie can really shed a light on some really uh, interesting and scary things um, in our own personal lives. And The Omen, I think, does that in a, in a really weird and interesting way. Uh, I've been babbling long enough. Let's get into it. The Omen. All right.
right, the champion of Long Island has returned to the Four Comedy Junkies podcast. Eric Holzman, how the hell are you, sir? Doing all right, man. It's, uh, you know, falls here now, and I have, it's my favorite season of the year. Mm-hmm. So I like all the fall, things that come with fall. Yes, I like pumpkin spice. I like apples. I like... You know, the changing of the leaves. I'm a very much a, a fall person. So <laughs> most people get happy when summer comes or spring. No, I'm the weird one. And I like football and that's played in the fall. So yeah, I'm, this is like my time of year. So that's fair. Um, are you a, so you, you're a, you're a horror fan too, aren't you? Of course I am. Yeah. So this, yeah. this is like the best time of year to, you know, get on the, sit on the couch and, just binge some classic horror or even some new horror. Like we were talking about midnight mass a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, today we were talking the omen uh, 45 years of terror. Um, and so let me ask you uh, first and foremost, let's, when did you start getting into like, like horror movies or that genre? Um, like when, what's your, what's your secret origin as a horror movie fan? It's definitely the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Oh, okay. Uh, I, yeah, when I was a kid, um, I had a pretty strict upbringing and I wasn't allowed to see a lot of, of movies that nowadays I feel like kids see at five or six. Right. <laughs> but I wasn't allowed to see them. But um, my friend, his parents were a little bit more liberal with what they allowed. So when I go to his house, I'd get to watch these things. I remember I saw, it's weird, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street 3 before I saw the first two. Okay. So I remember watching that and that's the cool one. It's the dream warriors one. They all have their special talents, you know, in the dreams and stuff like that. Um, so that was the cool, that it was a little cooler and it wasn't as, I think that's kind of a tamer one than the first two. Like the first one is pretty gory, but the second one I think mm-hmm. is even worse. Uh, it's not my, it's my, I think it's the worst of all of them, but, okay. <laughs> but it's also the worst from a standpoint of like scariness and things like that. So yeah. I remember I saw that, I saw three first, and then I was able, I shouldn't have, but I did see the first two. And uh, yeah, I just like Freddy Krueger. Um, I know that's probably weird to say, but he was a, he's a quippy slasher. So <laughs> he makes it a little fun Yeah. Uh, while he's killing someone. And that's, you know, obviously um, Friday the 13th as well. Uh, Halloween, of course, you know, all the classic movies, those, those are the ones that really got me into the horror genre and then of course i went back and watched like dracula and all the really old really old ones as well i've seen those yeah so but yeah but definitely it was nightmare on elm street that got me into horror um that's really awesome i i i think the first time i saw nightmare on elm street was a uh, was a halloween party that i was hosting and a friend brought it over and said we got to watch this and because i'd said i'd never seen it um because i remember when i was a little kid um i watched my dad let us watch the exorcist and ah. i thought it was the scariest thing on the face of the earth i i my sister and i we joke to this day that we watched it over the summer and we didn't sleep for two weeks like my dad was always an early riser so we would not go to bed until he uh <laughs> until he woke up early in the morning um and and i remember him teasing us and he said that the movie that scared him a lot when he was a kid was Jaws. And, you know, we kind of like made fun of him, like, like, oh, like the shark scared you, you know, not like the devil. 
because uh, you know <laughs> as uh, you know we were talking about off mic and we've been texting this week and it's like you know so we were raised catholic so stuff like the exorcist or the omen yes. or even now with midnight mass it's like you know like you can watch something like scream and be like i, I remember scream was the first horror movie I ever loved i was right. like oh okay i love this movie but at the same time it was like we had caller id when we were kids so i was like okay i'm not worried about it you know but um <laughs> we watched right. um but like with the exorcist or the omen well we didn't watch the omen when we were kids but um uh you know like something like the exorcist was like oh no this is real because we're catholic and the devil is right. real and he's gonna come get us we just thought at any second it, it, it was going to happen. It was going to come true. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, me too. I was raised very, I was raised a very strict Roman Catholic upbringing. So yeah, I can relate. And those movies, because of that, they have like a, it's like you're, I'm more interested in it because I know the doctrine and you know, the dogma of Catholicism. So, yes. you know, you more enter into it because of that. But then, you know, you have the all you have the fear side of it as well, because as Catholics, there's a lot of guilt. <laughs> yes, yes. At, at so, any at any second, you might just not confess your sins to the priest. And exactly, that's what will come right? and get you, you know. <laughs> um, it's funny because I didn't see the omen. The first one I saw was actually the remake with Leah right. Schreiber. Uh, Julia Stiles, right? Julia yes. Stiles, yep. uh, so that was like in 2006, because I remember it came out 666, right? Yep. And and I remember joking with my sister, we got to go see it that day. And she was like, the fuck we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, we didn't end up going to see it. I went to go see it with another friend a few days later. Uh, I think I was just that superstitious that, you know, just to, right. yeah. I'll check it out a few days later, just in case. Yeah. Um, and I remember not liking it, but being curious about the original. And I didn't watch the original until just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I ended up really, really liking the original. Yes. And more so than that, like the behind the scenes of it. I mean, there's all sorts of wacko stories about what happened right. to the cast and crew and stuff, you know, again, reaffirming my, oh, this is all real, isn't it? You know, the <laughs> talk. But um, I think in my mind, what genuinely sells the, the original film versus the new film um, or the, the remake, I should say, is that I think Damien himself He's not, the boy isn't creepy. He can be when the situation calls for it, but the boy himself isn't actually scary. And, but that's sort of what makes him scary because you don't know what's going on with him versus the newer film or the remake. It, they, they tried really hard to nail it on the head. Like, this is the devil. He is here to kill you. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah, I saw the I saw the remake, not when it came out. I saw the remake a few years after because I knew it wasn't going to be as good as the original. So I was like, I'm not right. going to bother with it. But I I remember I was just fussing around and I'm like, oh, I think it was on demand. I'm like, oh, let me give it a watch. And uh, it doesn't have the same. I don't know if it's because the 70s were a very specific time and 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 the omen, the original one, just captures that time in the film so well. Yeah. And that era too, as well, like it came out in 76. So then like it's the era of Jaws as well. And all these other movies that were coming um, in that time period. And I just think that makes it more real, I guess. The new one looked too flashy and pretty and nice. And to me, there's there's a graininess about the 70s one 
And that's the re- so I remember watching it and I was like, it, it didn't. I remember it didn't do well and it didn't get good reviewed well the remake. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's hard to do that with a movie like The Omen where you have Gregory Peck as the lead actor and it's just it was it's very hard to do. I always laugh when I hear some movies are being remade from a specific time period because I'm like, why are you bothering? It's just, just it's just an attempt at a cash grab. Just yeah, you know, leave it alone. But um, yeah, I was never I I was I didn't feel too good about that the remake when I heard it was announced and then when I saw it, it just kind of reaffirmed that I was right for this one. <laughs> yeah, no, I I totally agree. It there's a there's a reality to the first film uh, that is that makes it unnerving. That right, and I think that goes back to you know rest in peace uh, Richard Donner. Who is yes. he was an absolute genius when it came to filmmaking. Um, because you know, you mentioned Jaws too. It's like he and Spielberg, you know, like they were largely untested directors, yep. but they were also smart and they knew what they wanted to do. Um, you know, Donner's credit, he'd done some TV, the famous uh, nightmare at 20,000 feet episode of the Twilight Zone, which for my money, you know, and I'm not just saying this, I think it still holds up as a really scary you know you know episode of television despite the fact that it's the special effects are dated and yes it is william shatner <laughs> um, yeah. but i think that the tension throughout that episode is is really really well done um so when he was hired and it was alan ladd that hired donner you know same guy who ended up hiring uh lucas for for star wars right that, that recognized talent they recognized oh this this person can do something and the first thing Donner did when he went through the script was he took out all the supernatural elements. He thought it would be way scarier if there was more ambiguity. Like, did Damien cause this? Is is this just some sort of hoax? Like, what is going on here? Right. And and I think he succeeded in that in that in that right because if there had been more like gargoyles coming to life or something like that, or more overt references to the de- to the devil um it it wouldn't have been nearly as scary the tension wouldn't have been nearly as high and again that that boy who plays damien what works about him is that he seems like a normal kid but when he starts to look at the camera or he starts to snap when they're driving towards the church then you're like what is going on here and it really raises the stakes for for us as the audience yeah i mean i think um like he's a cute little boy, yeah. Which also kind of you know it's that's kind of why it works because he is this cute little boy, yeah. And he's obviously he's the Antichrist, and <laughs> it's just a very, um, it's very. I like when when horror movies do that when they take something innocent and make it the the evil, yeah. Because um, it just raises the stakes and it just puts you in this position the entire film like, oh crap, you know. Do yeah. I want to have kids anymore? Or, you, know, like, <laughs> you, start, you start thinking these things about your life. And you're right. That's one of the, the good things about this film is he doesn't use, it's not a lot of supernatural in it. There's there's Rottweilers, right? He uses dogs, yeah. which as, you know, as protectors of Damien and and everyone, most most people like dogs. Oh, yeah. Right. So you're, again, he's taking something innocent that most people like and flipping it and making them bad. Yep. And it just it just adds that extra element to it. And um, yeah, man, this that 
that's something that Donner obviously he planned it well because it works great in the film. Yeah. And I yeah, I love it. He's he's incredible. He's so he was so good. Rest in peace, man. He was so good. He I mean, he really, you know, he could much in the same way like Spielberg did too. Like he could flip genres and still make it work, you know. I mean, like the next film he did was Superman. Yeah. You know, and which for all intents and purposes was almost a half comedy, you know, with all the stuff that Lex Luthor is doing, you know, um, yeah. Lex Luthor and Otis and, and, you know, Christopher Reeve being amazing as Superman, but, you know, and then to go from that to Goonies to Lethal Weapon, um, you know, it's funny, this is really off topic, but uh, I was rewatching the movie Ransom recently and, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, Mel Gibson in New York City. It's a, it's a Richard Donner movie. Ah, it's actually a Ron Howard movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, this is way off the beaten path for Ron <laughs> Howard, but um he did his best Richard Donner impression directing that film, I think. Um, <laughs> but um, but anyway, you know, and I think that's the other thing that, that Donner did really, really well. He had a great eye for casting. And, um, and, and Gregory Peck, I mean, a legend in his own right, you know. Exactly. And, yeah. and it's interesting learning that he, he took the role and then he had a son that committed suicide and he... And he kind of channeled that grief into his performance, and um, and kudos to him because I don't I couldn't have done that, you know he no. he was he was dedicated to his craft, which is one thing, but I mean he gives a really amazing performance as you know as as a father who isn't always there, but then when like the time comes and he has to be there, he you know he's. I don't know how to put it. Like, he's not a bad father. He's not a bad person, but he does seem to struggle with being a dad. Probably because when the movie opens, you find out that the child he's raising isn't his own. You know? Right. Right. That's the that's the big um, that's the starting point that we have with it. Right. Like yeah. we have this this father whose kid was actually actually died. Yeah. And there was this other baby whose mother died. And then, you know, the, the priest tells him to take, you know, take Damien, who, who yep. becomes Damien. Uh, so, yeah, so you're starting off with this, he, him being the only one who knows him and the priest, the other priest, that Damien is not his. Yeah. So it already, you're right, it starts from that point. And I'm sure, I mean, I think, I don't, I mean, I don't think this would happen, but I'm, I guess maybe in the back of his mind, in the character's mind, obviously, that you'd always kind of wonder, well, have them back in your mind well this isn't really my kid yeah you know like this is kind of an adoption situation here and sure i'm lying to my wife because she thinks it's our kid yeah like there's just a lot of that and peck i think plays that well i think he really really plays that well um obviously the wife is played by lee remick who was an academy award and tony award winner mm -hmm. um very very you know well known i knew i like before i saw the movie originally i knew who she was Mm -hmm. um you know it's just like you said the casting is perfect who's the other guy i'm thinking oh david warner who's yeah the the photographer there we you go there? yep okay sorry <laughs> yeah uh, where did you leave me <laughs> uh you said david warner yeah, like he he's kind of a he he's been in other movies. 
Yeah. Um, others things I remember seeing him in like my first time I seen, him, but he kind of always kind of does play the creepy guy. And this time he's not really, he appears to be creepy, but he's really not. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, he's pretty, he's innocent. Then he ends up being a victim of the, the wrath of the devil or whatever you want to call it. Right. And that scene is crazy. His death yep. scene is insane. <laughs> yes. Um, although funny, funny, uh, Superman connection. He played Jor-El in Lois and Clark. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, you just put that in my head. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, and sure uh, and Rachel Ghoul in the Batman animated series and an episode of Superman the animated series. So, um, I find those connections to be really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, it and I agree that he seems because he just seems kind of like like a jerk at first, you know, just taking pictures. Who cares? And then he kind of stumbles on what's been going on around Damien and tries to warn Gregory Peck, and it's just like. I don't know, but I have I have to laugh though a little bit when I was watching it, and the one priest who comes to Peck's office and is like, you know, your son is the devil and he's coming to kill us and whatever, blah blah blah. I had to laugh a little bit because it's like they were talking about his rise to power and everything. I was like, you know, fun fact: Damien can't be president. He was born in Italy, so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe they can change the law when he gets older, but. <laughs> I think he he might have just killed the people who got in his way. Maybe that's true too. Yeah, <laughs> I I never saw the other ones. I know there was a there was a second one and a and a third one with um, Sam Neill who played Damien, uh, but I never actually saw those. Have you seen those? I didn't see them. Um, I know William Holden is in the second one. Okay. Um, but I don't rem- I never saw it. No, I remember. Obviously, I mean, I'm a, I'm the same age as, as the Omen. I, we were both. I was born in '76. This movie was made and released in '76, so we're the same age. Okay. So, um, the second one came out in '78, and but I think I first the first time I saw this was after Nightmare on Elm Street. So it probably took about I probably '87, '88 was the first time I actually saw okay. the Omen, and um, I remember hearing there were other ones. But I remember liking this one so much. I'm like, I don't want to see them because it might ruin the series for me. So I never just, I decided never to watch them because I know for a fact they weren't as good. So um, I, I was that way with Psycho. Um, right. I, I actually own all the Psycho movies. I've never watched them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, I've watched Bates Motel, which I really, really like. Um, you know, that show is brilliant. And, yeah, the and, show, yeah. and that's the funny thing is that AMC tried to make a Damien show the same way they had the the Norman Bates show yep. and I didn't see it but it, it obviously didn't do very well because it only lasted like 10 episodes or something um which I remember thinking like oh if it's the same producers and stuff this is going to be great and I remember being hyped up and then it kind of just like disappeared so I was like oh I guess it wasn't very good <laughs> um, I think it's like I said even with the remake it's hard to capture that kind of um this tale again like to do a tale like this even if it's the same like the 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 remake is pretty much the same movie yeah yeah um so it's hard to capture the the magic i hate saying that for this kind of a movie but you know it's (laughs) hard to capture the magic um when something like this happens obviously i love leah schreiber i think he's a great actor sure um julia styles is is fine but they're not like he's not gregory peck and you know you don't have i'm sure when peck when when they were casting it and they had him he's kind he was kind of like i always say to do a movie like this 
you need to get an actor that's going to bring people in. And I'm sure that was their thought process. Um, oh, yeah. Trying yeah. to cast it like we need somebody to, because it's let's think about it. It's the 70s. I mean, it's a heavy topic here, you know, creepy children and <laughs> the yep. devil. It's it's a heavy topic. So you want to bring it's it put a bit might have been a hard sell, but you have Gregory Peck. And so people are going to come see it. Yeah. So I just think it's really like I said, it's really hard to capture that again. Yeah. It's the same thing with the Jaws series, right? Like, you know, Jaws is good. Jaws 2 is meh. And then the rest of them are just kind of stupid. Like, <laughs> you know, I, like. Yeah, I, I saw Jaws 3, not in 3D, but we were watching it and my friends and I, and we were just laughing the entire time. Yeah. I was like, I, I feel like this, we're having the wrong reaction, but at the same time, <laughs> it's, I mean, the movie what was silly, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that, um, again, I'm dating myself. I saw that in the movie theater with, okay. in 3D with the old <laughs> blue and red, 3d glasses and yeah yeah <laughs> they made a big deal about it like there was you got get a souvenir cup like i remember going to see jaws 3 with all of this stuff yeah. around it and in my mind now thinking back i'm like that movie's supposed to scare people you're not supposed to get like these fun looking glasses with this cup you want to remember the movie by <laughs> you yeah. know all this stuff the movie is meant to be be scary right uh that's when you knew part of the term it jumped the shark right because right you know <laughs> It was it was a gimmick before yeah. before it was a story. Yep. Um, uh, a good gimmick, I will say, is uh, my friends and I went to go see The Conjuring Two in uh, it, they're called D box seats. I don't know if your theater has this, um, where the if you sit a specific seat. So if the camera moves around, your seat moves with the camera. If the somebody's banging on the door, your your seat shakes. It's like four D, but you don't have the three D part of it. Um, right. and we were all like, okay, if we're going to go see the conjuring part two, we got to see that with the, the, the D box seats. And let me tell you, it, I, I think that's become one of my favorite horror movies, just from that memory of having that visceral reaction of like the camera's panning around and I'm like, Oh boy. Oh God, what's happening. You know, <laughs> I'm sure it adds to the suspense. That's probably does, cool. Yeah. I saw the rise of Skywalker in a theater like that. Oh, yeah. I think the second or third time I saw it, I went to one of those theaters because I'm like, oh, that'd probably be cool. The, the water sprays out at you. And mm -hmm. like it was it was cool. It was cool to see see yeah. a movie in that those kind of circumstances. But I can imagine it's something like The Conjuring where it's all like horror movies are always about anticipation and camera angles. Yeah, I could imagine having the seat move. I'm sure that was a trip. It Oh, it was it was a blast. Um, but, you know, it's it's funny now thinking you know, looking back on a movie like this and what's what's fun about this movie is that I don't feel like I have to put myself in the, okay, it was made in the 70s, it's going to be cheesy kind of mindset. Right. It's like, it it is a little bit in terms of like, of like camera angles and the way their cuts are done. It's very old school, obviously, because they had old school equipment because that's all right. I had. Um, but the story itself moves so well that I was, that I'm entertained. I'm not sitting there going, okay, like, this is kind of cheesy. I, I get where this is scary in the 70s, but it's not really anymore. I, I didn't feel that way with this. I think it still holds up. You know, right at the beginning, you know, when the 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 maid is like, you know, Damien, it's all for you, and, you know, hangs herself. It's just, mm -hmm. it's, e even for the time, I mean, that was, that's visceral, you know? Like, I can't believe they got away with it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's it's crazy, and it sets the tone right away, especially, like I said, that little boy 
is just so nonchalant about it, just sort of looks at it like it's totally normal for him. And the parents are sort of like, what the fuck is going on here? And they chalk it up to just, oh, she was crazy. But it's like, oh, no, it was was more than that. Yeah, that's the first time you see him, too. You see that face like she's holding him and he's Mm -hmm. looking. I think it's at the dog. Yeah. At that point. And you see the face. You're like, oh, wow. Like, that's the first time you really brought in like, yeah, there's something wrong with this boy. Yeah. Like, and then, of course, the scene where they're driving to the church, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and thinking back now, like when I watch it, I'm like, well, wouldn't that be kind of an alarm to a parent to be like, yeah, this is normal, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, and they cut, I mean, they kind of have that feeling. At least she does. She definitely does. Yeah. Um, But, you know, that's one of the things about I that's one of the cheesy parts for me now looking back. I'm like, okay, you know, they they kind of laid on a little thick and there's no reaction. Like there's no (laughs) reaction by the parents at all. Um, Uh, Yeah, no, I definitely. (laughs) Um, But it's it's interesting watching it and thinking when I rewatched it, I was like, I think what really helps sell this kid's performance is that he doesn't actually have that much dialogue um like he like he screams more than he talks you know uh like especially at the end when Gregory Peck you know throws him in the car and everything um but I was like man like this I think that's helping because if he talked more it 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 would just and I don't remember if he did talk more in, in the remake or not but it seemed but it seems to me like no this this works because it adds to the mysteriousness of the character a little bit because like if you've ever been around a five-year-old they don't fucking stop talking <laughs> my nephew i remember saying to him we went out to dinner it was our, our family and he said something and he was like he's like jj you haven't really said anything and i was like buddy you've been talking this entire time i cannot believe you actually <laughs> ate your food how did you eat your food you literally have not stopped talking and my sisters were laughing and i was just like i was like i felt a little mean but at the same time right. i was genuinely surprised <laughs> right like you're right. And and normally, if you see a kid Damien's age, five years old, yeah. if he's not talking, you people automatically think, oh, there's something developmentally going on there, right? Like, you right. think, you go to that place, like, why isn't this kid talking? It's weird. Um, which, again, should have been another sign in the movie, but we'll, we're not talking about the parenting, just talking about the film. So <laughs> the, uh, the obvious terrible parenting. <laughs> so, yeah, so, like, you're right. Like, normally kids... And the fact that he doesn't, I think all I hear him say is mommy, mommy, daddy, a few times, dada. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think I don't remember him saying many words or answering many questions. Every time they ask him something, he just kind of stare at them blankly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like that. You're right. Like, that's just very, like, weird for a five year old. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting where it's sort of like in a weird way, like, uh, you know, I was talking about uh, Silence of the Lambs, uh, where, you know, Hannibal isn't in the movie very much. Like, he's only in about, like, 24 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't know how much Damien's in the movie, but the whole movie's around him. So even when he's not around, his presence is felt. And I think that that speaks to the atmosphere of the film, that something's off, something's wrong, and... And even just like the first time I saw it, I mean, like I knew what was going to happen uh, because right, I'd seen the re- yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd seen the remake and I but I'd seen some other stuff with the film. But like when he pushes his mom off the off the balcony or the terrace or whatever, 
um, it's it's scary because he's he's going around on the big wheel, and you're like, man, this this kid is up to something, you know? Like it just immediately the the sound the sound is of of the of the bike is louder. You know, there's yep. not music until he kind of runs her over, and it's just like, man, this is really really like the the tension is built so well and uh it's jerry goldsmith who i believe does the music in it who's also a genius um yeah it won the it won the oscar for score yeah yeah yeah. which you know apparently he'd been nominated a bunch of times and didn't think he was going to win but then he won this time Um, yeah (laughs) but that uh i think what works with that scene is that you know it's you just you're just looking at this kid like oh my god like this it's it's at that point, if, if there was any doubt, now there's no more doubt. This, this kid is evil. Right. There's two things that make that scene um, so powerful. One is the constant ride driving bike in circles, right? He's just going in circles and circles and circles. And then, of course, we haven't mentioned her yet. Yep. But the governess, uh, Ms. Baylock. Yes. Baylock, yes. Right. Um, she's creepy as hell. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. And obviously we learn when she first gets there that she's an agent of the devil and yeah, um, yeah. she's there kind of to nurture him into becoming the Antichrist. Yeah. And every scene she's in, you're kind of like, oh crap. Like, yeah. holy crap. Something bad's going to yes. happen. Yep. And you see her open the door for him to go do what he does to his mom. And when right, he pushes right. her, hits the table, pushes her over. And that's it. So, uh, yeah, that, that, some of the shots and some of the ways that Donner shot the movie um, and specific scenes, that one specifically obviously is, is a great one to mention are so, so good. Like just so like just pulling you in and you know, something bad's going to happen and you just, it's weird. You don't want it to, but at the same time you do. (laughs) Yeah. You want to know. It would be, it, it, there wouldn't be as good of a payoff at the end when he finally sees the, the 666 on him right if, if they're if these things weren't happening if it was just because at a certain point it when it the stuff is happening like it, it could just be coincidence it could just be this kid is just nervous he doesn't want to go to this you know to go to church or whatever but no like it's it as it piles on it and it piles on really well and i think that donner donner was really great at that you know i mean superman's a great example of that of a you know, you, you have to build up and, you know, Superman's the modern template for superhero movies. It's like, we have to build up to Superman or else it doesn't mean anything, you know? Um, it doesn't mean anything if we're not, if we're not seeing the evolution of Clark Kent. Um, and it's the same way with this film. It's like, it doesn't mean anything. We're not seeing Damien be evil, you know, gradually, you know, worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, and you know, Donner was, Donner was a genius at that. Um, and then he went on to do the Goonies, which is a fairly innocent <laughs> film. <laughs> so, it's one of my favorite movies. I love that yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's interesting thinking about this type of movie and growing up Catholic. And like I said, I, I'm glad I didn't see this movie when I was a kid, because I probably would have been traumatized the same way the exorcist <laughs> traumatized me. Yeah. Um, but you know what was coming out when I was a kid was the uh, the Left Behind books. Do you remember those? Um, I don't. They uh, it was kind of the same plot as uh, the Leftovers that uh, Damon Lindelof made. Okay, 
right. uh, where it's like half the world population just vanishes. I didn't watch all of the leftovers. I saw a good chunk of it, but um, excellent. But, that was it was very good. Yeah. Um, and Kirk Cameron tried to make a movie of it, and I don't think it went anywhere. But <laughs> and also, Nicolas Cage tried to make a movie of it. That also didn't go anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, the idea being that half the world's population disappears, and then this young, charismatic person shows up and tries to unite the world, and turns out he's the Antichrist. I, there was a series of books. I don't remember how many there were. I remember my sister really liking them. But I was like, I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. Like, it's just some of that's hitting too close to home for me. Mm-hmm. Um, same way that like the exorcist hit really close to home and of course and even you know more recently midnight mass hits kind of close to home where it's just like man like i remember being a kid being an altar server you know Me too. uh being yeah. um you know going to midnight mass you know which spoiler that's you know the last episode but uh, <laughs> not, not that much of a spoiler but um but, you know, but the, the church aspects of it in the beginning of the show uh, and having like a young charismatic priest, it's like, I remember having priests like that, that I just liked. Go- I, so I loved going to church and seeing them and talking to them and, and even like hanging out with them in my free time. Sometimes I didn't grow up in a small town like um, like they do in the show. Right. But there's a lot of that stuff that hits close to home, obviously hit close to home for Mike Flanagan, who's the writer director. Mm-hmm, and yeah. obviously the same way, probably in some way with Richard Donner, um, that understood enough about the lore of God and the devil, the Bible, enough to make a really scary movie. Right. I mean, the movie ends with a quote from Revelation. Yes. Um, so, like, you know, the, the religious imagery in this and um, the use of Catholicism, which obviously is the religion that always seems to be <laughs> tapped to do these kind of films. Um, <laughs> yeah. But again, be, being the fact that, like you said, you grew up Catholic, so did I. I was an altar boy as well. I went to Catholic school my entire life. Like I had, um, I had all of those experiences. So anytime a movie has some kind of angle from Catholicism in it or a show, I'm always so much I'm always quicker to watch it or give it a chance because it's something that has been um, ingrained in me since I'm a little boy. Mm -hmm. I mean, my morality, even to this day, is pretty much based in the teachings that I learned from Catholicism. So, you know, that I and as we know, with the exorcist, priests have always been the ones called upon to do exorcisms or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, the Catholic Church has always been the one that kind of is the gateway between heaven and hell like that's kind of our thing which is weird yeah. but that's <laughs> that's kind of the thing that that oh have we've always been portrayed especially in media right. so so yeah definitely the religious angles um always make it more this is probably not going to end well or something bad is going to happen <laughs> yes. sometimes during the movie and uh it, this movie starts out right away with a priest and him telling um, Gregory Peck's character that his son has died and he should take this other boy yeah it, that he's telling him it's okay to commit a sin to, Pretty lie, much. to lie to his wife to take this other child um and it, and again it's it's and it's almost like hearing it from a priest almost makes it okay 
Right. So he's like, I, I think I can do this because it's okay. Um, Midnight Mass is that way. So when like the yes. scary stuff starts to happen, but you have a priest telling you it's okay, you're a little, maybe you're more inclined if you're in the character, if the character's mind, I should say, because we as the audience are like, no, don't do it. But, <laughs> um, but as you know, the, the, but the characters are like, okay, I know you, I trust you. Or at the very least, I trust the caller. I trust who, who you're representing, which is God. Right. Right. Um, you know, another movie I was, I was just thinking about as we were talking was, uh, I don't know if you ever saw it with um, Gabriel Byrne and Patricia Arquette, uh, Stigmata. I've seen Stigmata, yeah. Yeah, that, that's another one I remember watching when we were kids and just being like, and being really fascinated with the idea of Stigmata. It's like, yep. Does anybody actually have that? And, you know, my dad kind of telling us, oh, there's been cases around around the world, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and there's all sorts of, uh, a friend of mine who... Uh, He's my confirmation sponsor. He's one of my best friends. He's been on the show. Uh, Corey, he, um, you know, he's the most Catholic dude I know. I was, I was calling that, but uh, <laughs> he, he always put it really well where I really liked it is that he says, okay, like, I can't prove that God exists, but at the same time, you can't prove that he doesn't exist. You're right. And, and I like that he put it that way because it does, even if I don't go to church as regularly as I used to, I can still feel like I feel that there's something there. I just feel that it's, it's more than we as humans can comprehend. Like if there's a being that can create life, we can't comprehend that, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and it's, and seeing these stories of like, you know, God versus the devil, like with you know, a little bit like the stigmata, although again, it was like 20 years ago. I saw that. Well, that was more than that actually. Um, I was way more than that. Anyway, uh, you know, or the exorcist or the omen. Um, there's things that I can't, we can't explain about this stuff. And that stuff is real. Like there's real stuff that we can't explain sometimes. And I think that that's what, especially as a kid, helped sell the exorcist for me. It helped sells the omen for me because there's, there's a, in a strange way, there's a reality to it that makes it scarier. Like, no, I can't, I can't explain it. But also, neither can you if you're a scientist and you're going to go, well, you know, let me break it down here. It's like, right. Well, maybe, maybe not, you know. Well, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, even the Conjuring movies have mm -hmm. obviously steeped in Catholicism and, and, you know, so. Horror movies in general seem like I said, that seems to be our Catholic's thing like <laughs> yes <laughs> there was that one movie with with the jewish book i think it might have even been called the book jeffrey d morgan's in it um uh isn't I it like his his daughter is haunted by it or something yeah there's like this that? book that they have i watched it okay. um the rapper modest yahoo i don't know if you know who modest yahoo is but he was a mm. he's a he's a hasidic jewish rapper okay um it's that's funny as that sounds it's very true <laughs> and um he's in it and he kind of plays the priest role for the this movie because again this is in, in judaism but that's the only one i can think of off the top of my head that is not a catholic horror <laughs> yeah <laughs> something that has has like holy people in it and it's not catholic it, it's i think it's we're sort of easy targets in that way because because we overtly talk about you know battling the devil yep. and praising jesus and accepting the lord into our lives um and there's and I, a lot of symbols obviously we have yeah. a lot of symbols in catholicism and 
so yeah that a lot of that makes it a very easy target to for people to use and especially for writers to be creative about when you have visual things you can cling to yeah you know that people see all the time yeah and and i think that and, and plus, I think Catholics are just an easy target, no matter what. We seem to always, there's always some sort of scandal. Well, <laughs> and that's a different show, JD. That's yeah, a different that's, show. that's a whole thing. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it's a, uh, but you know, uh, but I remember growing up Catholic and part of the reason that like I got away from it because there was so much, I, I, I didn't like the idea of always being talked about as if we're guilty. It's like, like my daughter who's not baptized it's like i don't like thinking of her as being you know with sin just because she hasn't been baptized like right. doesn't make any sense she hasn't done anything she's been right. alive for you know two and a right. half the years moment, the moment you take a breath you you're a sinner in yeah. catholicism the moment you breathe it's Very, crazy you know the the idea of catholic guilt and i remember you know seeing like facebook memes and stuff where everybody's like uh you know it's like oh you know, you don't have to apologize so much. It's like, okay, I'm sorry. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, that's, that's what being Catholic is like, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a yeah. line in the, in the first season of Daredevil that stuck with me when uh, he's talking to Ros Rosario Dawson and she says, plus you can take a beating and, and, and keep getting back up. Like it didn't happen. And he says, yeah, well, that part's the Catholicism. Yep. And I was just, and I literally had to pause the show and start clapping. And I started texting a church group I was in at the time. And I was like, y'all got to watch Daredevil. <laughs> hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it, it's interesting to me, th th these types of topics and themes, because e even if we're singling Catholics out, I still think that the themes are universal with having good and evil in the world. Um, and there's also something kind of sick about horror movies where not necessarily that we're rooting for the bad guys but we do kind of expect the bad guys to win you know like yeah like michael always gets away you know jason pops up at the end at the end of every movie even freddie pops up at the end of all the movies you know it's like so when this movie you're, you're sort of hoping that gregory peck is as fucked up as it sounds that he's gonna kill this kid um but at the same time you're like he's it's not going to happen. He's going to die. And then the what? end, and then the ending when Damien just turns around, he looks right into camera. It's haunting. And again, yes. like I said, this boy is not a scary child in and of himself, but he had an either Donner gave him great direction, or maybe he was just ahead of his time as an actor that he could sell being, being like, Oh shit. Like we're, we're fucked. That's the devil. And he's going to, He's now being raised by the president, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. The, like how he uses his eyes. And yep. It's he for an actor so young to be able to do that. It's, yep. It was really, really good. Like yeah. I we've obviously seen movies where kids are bad. Yeah. Um, or play play the evil role. Uh, Conjuring again. I think it was two or three. I forget which one. Um, but they, mm -hmm. there's in that you see it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's that movie with, what's his name? I forget the name of it. Anyway, forget it. But even something like Brightburn, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, like that's a little boy superpowers, and you know, it, it's always creepier and scarier when it's kids because yeah. in our heads, kids are supposed to be innocent and cute, and maybe they might la be loud a little bit, and they might, 
grown off at the mouth, especially kids nowadays. These little these little rugrats may think they're think they're grown and say some stuff, right. but <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's the innocence, right? Like they're yep. still, and when they're not, that's what makes a good. That's what makes them scary. Yeah, I uh, absolutely. Um, you know what I've been rewatching um, that I think has the best kid actors in anything ever is uh, the Haunting of Hill House. Um, I think all five of those kids are fantastic. And I, when I was watching it, I was going like, these kids seem real to me. Like, this is like, this is remarkable. You don't see this anywhere else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, maybe back in the day with the Goonies or something, or even Stand By Me, those kids were great. But at the same time, well, that, that's a little different because those kids had kind of grown up as actors. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, and and that's the other thing with, with the new film or the remake, keep calling it new, it's 15 years old, but uh, the... the the remake is like it, it just doesn't sell it because it just it doesn't it, it just that that boy just he's deliberately scary like they 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 it looks like he's made up to be white like super like ghost white yep and it's just like okay i don't know but but another thing that helps sell it in this film is is gregory peck and leah remick um especially when Leah Remick falls and he just kind of watches her fall. It's like, oh my God, like Yeah, and- like th- that's that is a creepy scene where she's holding on to the like the railings or the bat the, the banisters and yep. he's just looking at her through them. Yeah. He's just staring at her. Yeah. And it's yeah, that's it's easy for a character like Mrs. Baylock to be scary because it's like, you know, the older actors are, you know, they can right. be great at that. Um but another thing that's great about it is that she's also not campy scary. She's just like weird. And there's something that feels real about that. She's just a weird person. Um, but and but we as the audience right away are like, uh, there's nope, something wrong with her. <laughs> well, she's uh, she to me, she in the movie, she's the on the nose character. Like as soon as yeah, you yeah. see her, you're like, okay, something's wrong. Like yeah. <laughs> she's she's some kind of scary thing that we don't know yet, but eventually that's what's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh it's like uh what's what's her name? Uh that was Joker's mom in Joker. Uh Fran- yes. Fran- Francis McCoy, is that right? Is that her name? I think so. But uh but okay, but she was in the first season of um American Horror Story and you know, as, as the maid, and then Alexandra uh Brecken Stridge or something like that, whatever her name is. She's like played like the younger, hotter version. Um, but either way, it was like as soon as she walked on the on the screen, I was like, uh, oh, she's evil. There's something wrong with her. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. In the remake, Mia Farrow plays that character. Oh, that's right. That's, and, yep. and there is no way in heck she could ever look as creepy as um what's her name again the actress uh, in the original film yeah billy whitelaw right that's her oh, yeah. Billy whitelaw. yeah 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 nobody i mean she's just has the creep factor down and i feel bad saying that because i'm sure she was probably a very nice woman <laughs> <laughs> sure but uh you know it's the truth right like be a pharaoh to me like she's been she was in horror movies before obviously rosemary's babies is her famous famous movie that she was in but um she always played the other side of it like she this they tried to make her scary and she just wasn't 
Like to me, that character has to be cast correctly. Because yeah. if you don't cast that character correctly, the movie's not going to work. I, you know, and I think that that the remake just, uh, you know, you put like Leah Schreiber and Julia Stiles are good actors. They just, but they weren't good for those roles. Um, right. And, and it's, it's, it's hard to say that feeling like, and, and same with Mia Farrow. It's hard saying that because it's like, I'm a fan of their other work. Yeah. Uh, Leah Schreiber in particular, I think he's fantastic. Like in Scream 2, he's amazing. Um, and then as, as his career has gone on, he's just gotten better. Um, and Julia Stiles as well. Like, I mean, like 10 things I hate about you is one of my favorite movies, you know? <laughs> um, but then you, it, it just, they try to recreate those moments. Like she's in the hospital bed and she says, please don't let him kill me. It's like, that doesn't have nearly the same effect that it did when Leah Remick said it. Because you're just like, there's something, maybe it's because the it's the original, because it's, it, there's, like you said, like a, a graininess to it and yeah. a somewhat innocence to the film that makes it scarier because it's like, this was a time when, you know, like, I mean, Jaws, you know, spoiler alert, movie's, you know, really old, but you know, Jaws dies. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, uh, Jaws gets killed at the end. Like the, the, the right. heroes win. Uh, this film, the heroes don't win. Um, nope. And and I think that's what always sort of, for a long time, tripped me up about horror movies was like, I don't know how to feel afterwards. And I remember Eli Roth saying when he was making a Hostel, he hated that they had test audiences because it's like, well, of course, test audiences are going to score it low. You feel like shit after a horror movie. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, his movies are something else in, in general. But uh, yeah, that's... but uh, but he's but he's right, you know, because it's like if Damien survives in the end, we're not supposed to feel good about that. You know, I mean, no, we're not. It, it, there's there's a there's and that's sort of what makes it scarier and in a sad way, almost more realistic because sometimes the good guys don't win, you know, uh, as much as we're all big comic book fans and, you know, and, and we love to see the heroes triumph in the end. It's, you know, you get something like the dark Knight, where technically the Joker wins in the end right. um, or yep. infinity war, you know, Thanos wins. Yep. Um, sometimes you kind of need empire strikes it. back empire. Yeah. A great example. Uh, you know, sometimes it just happens that way. Um, but and I don't know. It's, it's why, like, I struggle with horror movies sometimes. Uh, Do you ever see Oculus? It's another Mike Flanagan. I have not seen Oculus. No. Uh, that is very, very good. Um, I'll watch it. It has a. Uh, it, it also has a. Just you just gotta watch it. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. Um, okay. But it it has a really great ending, and the movie ties. It it kind of the the movie circles back from past and present really really well together. Um, to the point where I kind of, I remember watching it and when it was over going, that's it. And, but like, I was, I was like, you know, feeling shitty, but at the same time, like kind of jazzed up, like, oh, that was so well done though. You yeah. know, yeah. like Damien surviving in the end, it's, it's not a good ending, but it's so well done that I can, even if I feel shitty after the movie, I can feel like, oh, I get, I get it. Like this is, and it doesn't feel like it's a sequel bait type of thing. It just feels ominous. Right. It's 
no matter how many times I've watched it and I've seen it, and I know it's coming. It's still at the end. You're kind of like, damn, he, he's alive. Like he lived. Like you still get that moment where even, I know it's coming. I, I've seen it before. Yeah. I know how it ends. And you're still like, oh, he didn't kill him this time. He actually survived. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I was hoping this time was the alternate cut. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping this time, you know, but release. But the, yeah. Release the Donner cut. So. You're right. But that, I mean, but that's also what makes a great horror movie because yeah. he's still out there. Yeah. Like, I, no matter how you're looking at it, he's still out there. And I think the first time I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, I thought that, that like, like, oh, the, it, it, it was almost like a Jumanji kind of ending where it's uh-huh. like, oh, they're all alive again. It's okay. And then it turned, and then like when the, the car top flipped up and it was the Freddy colors, it was like, oh, this isn't good, you know? <laughs> and, but like, we as the fans we kind of dig that like like yeah like it's you get something like scream which is set more so in the real world so yes the killers should be kind of killed off um but i remember thinking that when i watched scream and i've said this in other episodes where it's like i was genuinely like they you know they might get away with it you know mm-hmm. and sydney's gonna die because i'm watching a horror movie you know i'll never forget watching halloween for the first time and not knowing what was going to happen I knew that there were like, you know, like 800 sequels. But when I was a kid watching, <laughs> right. when I was watching Halloween and Loomis looks over the edge, he sees Michael and then he looks again and he's gone. And he just has this look of, oh, I knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I remember just like my jaw was on the floor as a kid watching it going, oh, my God. Like, well, now I want to watch the second one. You know, yep. I didn't like the yeah. second one, but I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it's it's. it's... It's sad. When the sequel is so bad, you're like, why did I waste my time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, but you're right, man. Like, that's, like, you brought up Scream. Um, you know, to me, the Scream sequel, it's not as good as the first, but it, I think all the ones that I, I, I like all of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think all of those movies are, are decent movies and they're definitely watchable. Like, they're not, it's not one movie that I'm like, oh, this is just whatever. Um, so, you know, I just, with a movie like, like this, uh, like I said, we brought up the sequels before and we were talking, you asked me if I saw any of them. I, even to this day, I wouldn't want to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm only slightly curious for the third one because of Sam Neill, but not enough to to look at to you know to try and find it another example being that i've never seen the exorcist part two uh but i do really like the exorcist three um but uh with uh which with george c scott there was one that came they did a the one that came out not that long ago was kind of a um oh god what was it Uh, called the exorcism of emily rose is that what you're thinking of because there's there's been a bunch that there was one with Stellan Skarsgård that I don't think did very well. Um, I think that's the one. Hold I on. think it's called like Possession or maybe maybe one of the working titles was. I, remember I it went, think you're right about that. And yeah. I remember people saying that like, oh, it was terrible. But I actually, I actually liked it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, this is, there are exceptions. There are yeah, exceptions yeah. to things. And I think sometimes if there's been a long enough time between the original one and then you do um, that, can work it can work it didn't work for the omen but it can work yeah um but generally when it comes to horror anything past the second one is usually iffy 
Yeah, I, I didn't see Conjuring 3 yet, uh, but I, I love Conjuring 2. Um, but, you, you know, but I saw, but then again, it was it's funny where I saw the first Annabelle and I thought it was garbage. The second one I liked, and then the third one I, I liked not as much, but, um, you know, and even, uh, what was it, the, the Nun, that was okay. The Nun, yeah, and then the la lorena one is the other yeah i didn't see that one though one in the um, series yeah i've i've it's funny i've only watched the conjuring movies i haven't watched everyone says oh you need to watch the other ones and i always say yeah i'm going to but i still haven't i haven't watched annabelle i haven't watched um a lot of them were on hbo max so uh yeah i know convenient. now this yeah. month too they're having all like obviously it's october so their horror yeah, yeah. series Hulu's having the horror series. Like all the all the streamers are having their horror films to check out. So well, that was part of it for me with wanting to watch Midnight Mass. Was like I was like, oh well, you know, it's spooky season. I gotta watch it, you know. And but I I started watching uh, Midnight Mass, and I was just and Mike Flanagan. He's uh, if if I don't think he ever would, but if anyone were to do a good Omen sequel, it probably would be him. But um, but I was just like like drawn in to that show uh and i you know anyone listening i highly highly recommend um midnight mass because even if you're not catholic there's still great themes of faith and you know uh addiction and recovery and um you know how far is too far with taking your faith and you know being atheist or whatever and it and it weirdly was like i was watching it thinking man like I kind of want to reach out to a priest I know who I haven't talked to in years just because I, he was a little bit like father Paul, very charismatic and cool. And, you know, we all liked him, you know, he would go out for beers with some of the, you know, some of the parishioners. Um, but yeah, but, um, but it's that kind of stuff that, it, you know, it, as, as scary as a horror movie is, it does not work if we're not invested in the story, invested in the characters. Um, that's what right. I would, you know, when the, the it movies were coming out, um, I was telling people, I was like, I, I like those kids. So when scary stuff was happening, I was scared for them. You know, same with this film. Like I like Gregory Peck. I like Leah Remick. So when the kid is all this weird shit is happening, I'm like, it, it makes you tense up that much more because you're, you're falling for the characters. Yeah. That I obviously, uh, you want to connect to the, I guess the protagonists um, yeah. in the movies, in these kind of movies, because you're, they're basic, you're, they're basically you, right? You're, they're basically the, you're the normal person. So they're, right. you're, that's your representative. So of course you want to root for them because you can see yourself in them. Yep. Obviously in situation, I would hope that no one ever has a devil demon possessed child, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but some children, I have to say, I've been, I, I've, I'm an uncle 19 times. So I have been around some children at times and <laughs> none of my nieces and nephews, but maybe their friends <laughs> yeah. in certain yep. situations that I've been around. <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll tell you that my daughter, um, just getting her to wash her hands after a meal <laughs> she's just she's dating in the car yeah just and we're just like <laughs> actually my favorite story now is uh the mother and i were you know it's like okay we're gonna we're gonna go outside you know and she starts putting her left shoe on her right foot i was like oh honey you're putting your shoe on wrong she goes no i'm not and i was like and i look around i was like yes you are honey let me help you fix it and she starts screaming at me 
And then I look over at her mother and, and she's like, honey, he, he's just, it's on the wrong foot. He, Daddy's trying to help you fix it. And she's like, it's fine. It's right. It's right. And we just looked at each other like, okay, sure. <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, some, it's just like, yeah, we're not going to win this fight. We're not going to, we can't over, overrule this two-year-old logic. So <laughs> let's just... No, yeah. but what you should say is, okay, if it starts to hurt later, you can't change it. We, that's the thing is that we said it's going to hurt. And we could see her walking around, not comfortable, but just that stubborn that she wasn't going to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> so, ah, uh, fucking yeah, kids, man. man. But she's, she's no, uh, she's no antichrist. Not yet, at least. <laughs> we'll see what happens in three years. I'll get back to you all, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, th- this has been a total blast, man. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't get. I don't get to talk about. Um, on Straight Outta Gotham. I mean, we did do a horror show, Pete and I, last year. We actually did a horror show. Yeah, on Straight yeah. Outta Gotham. Um, oh God, what was his name? I forget the guest. I'm. I apologize. I forget the guest name. But we had a good. Like it was a good time. I remember we ranked our horror films. But I'm always open to talking about. Uh, these kinds of movies and especially th- the real reason I wanted to watch the open and I'll tell you is because I remember I was asking people about obviously this was before the internet when I saw it but I was asking people about like what good horror movies came out the year I was born uh-huh. and this was the one people told me <laughs> so I was like well then I have to watch it now because it's and yeah it's still one of my favorites uh, to this day it's just so well done and so of its time and the imagery, the symbolism, the creepiness. It has everything that makes a good horror film. Yeah. So it, it, it thank really you. Oh yeah, of course. For I, asking me. Yeah, I, you know, I, I thought of you immediately when I was like, I, I want to talk about this because I remember you saying, I think you might have even talked about it on that episode, because I did listen to that, you know, where you were like, uh, and I was like, Yeah, it's it's fun to talk about this stuff because it's you know, um, I, I'm not like a, a horror movie connoisseur or anything like that, but but I love watching this stuff and and especially this time of year. I mean, it's just there's right. no better time to watch it. But at the same time, it's like I'll have a weird like horror movie kick like in July. So <laughs> uh, okay, I, again, like we were talking about before, though, the ones that have um, Catholicism as part of the theme, I think when you're Catholic, yeah. you're drawn to them as well. Yeah. Like a movie, Dogma is not obviously a horror film. But because you, as a Catholic, I can relate to the material so much. Yes. yes. I love that movie. Like that's one of my favorite movies because of that. Yeah. So I think, you know, with movies like The Omen and like you said, The The Exorcist, uh, movies like that, that have very strong religious elements to it and specifically Catholic ones. I think as a Catholic, that's just something that we're we're drawn to. It hits us. It hits us just a little bit harder, more so than like a Jason or a Michael Myers right. or something. And right, um, because it's it's like no, we grew up with this. We were learning about this, and now it's sort of being, you know, we're being taunted by it in a weird way. Uh, uh, yeah, it's an, an, another good example is the movie uh, Devil uh, that M Night Shyamalan produced. Yep, you know, uh, that's that's another great one where it's just there, throughout the film, it's just like what is happening and it, it's you know i'm getting chills thinking about it you know i can barely put it into words because it's there's a i don't i don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it but it's like there's a a really great you know 
uh, quote throughout the film or at the end of the film was the, the one guy who's narrating through it um, that really makes us all go, oh, okay. And you have a feeling of, okay, like this all makes sense now in a weird way. Right. Um, and even like the Omen and Exorcist Midnight Mass, they all kind of have that, oh, this all makes sense in a weird way kind of feeling. Um, and maybe that's just us because we grew up Catholic, but I would like to think that maybe the, the good and evil aspect of it does appeal to, to, the ma to the masses, I should say. Right. And I think, I mean, on our chat before, someone brought up the orphan or orphan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, which is a similar story to the omen. And it's, it's, it's adjacent, like they're adjacent stories. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, that's another one that just hit me uh, about a child, you know, creepy child. <laughs> yeah. Another creepy child story. Well, unfortunately, um, that one was spoiled for me. So I know the ending, but I don't, but I've never seen it. But I still, I've never seen it. it. Yeah. I it, watched it. It's good. It's, I, I mean, liked it. it uh, you know, I, I am interested in seeing it. That one and, uh, I think it's called The Boy. I, I know the ending to that one, but I've heard that it's still a really great movie. I didn't see that one, but I do remember when it came out. And uh, Orphan 2 has elements of Catholicism in that. So it's just, it's all, it's, it's, another, all, it's all connected. All the, yeah, the man, Catholicism universe. <laughs> but you haven't seen it. If you haven't, you said you haven't seen it. Give it a watch. It's, this time of year too is great. Um, Vera Farmiga's in it. Obviously she's like the, you know, one of the horror queens she, now, I think. <laughs> one of the new scream queens, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Oh, she's uh, amazing, you know, yeah. Throw, she's in it. Um, Peter Sarsgaard's in it too. So it's got a pretty good cast. So yeah. well, if she's in, I'll definitely check it out. I like her a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, so Eric, if uh, people are looking for you out there in the uh, interwebs, where can they find you? All right. I mentioned my podcast straight out of Gotham that I co-host with Peter Vera. Uh, you guys can check us out anywhere you listen to your podcast. We are all over the place. So check us out there. We also have a Twitter handle is at straight underscore underscore G. My personal Twitter handle is at finally 33 spelled finale 33. Same my same as my Instagram handle. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. You guys can check us out there. I, I review DC's Titans for Batman on film. So if you guys want to read you like first of all if you like titans and you want to read my thoughts on it check me out over there and if you want to yell at me and argue then hit me up on the socials and we can have a nice conversation <laughs> um yeah and and i you know i'm a big fan of straight out of gotham as you know i've said uh, dozens of times i i wore your shirt out the other day actually um Nobody asked me what it was, but I was hoping somebody would <laughs> be like, what's that? I would have been like, oh, it's my friend's podcast. Shucks. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. Um, but yeah, man, um, I'm looking forward to more stuff that you're doing there. You know, we've talked about uh, collaborating on more uh, live stream stuff. And then, uh, of course, you know, there's plenty of horror movies out there. There's plenty of comic book goodness out there. So you'll be back for sure. Um, oh, yeah. I love coming on. So Anytime we can make it work, because that seems to be an issue with us. But anytime, <laughs> anytime we can get together and make it work, yeah, um, I'm always happy to hop on. I appreciate it, man. And uh, to anyone listening, any specific person listening, we want you to know that's all for you. Oh, boy, it's going <laughs> to scare everybody. Shouldn't have, should have ended it that way. 